I stand here as a woman, educated, a leader, a worker, calm and safe in my yard. I'm aware that there are women, men and children across the globe in Afghanistan who aren't these things right now, who are fleeing terror right as we speak. As Becky said in prayer time this week, the earth is groaning under the weight of what is happening. The Turkey floods, the fires in Greece, the earthquake in Haiti, what's happening in Afghanistan and this global pandemic that just is not over. And closer to home, we too are groaning in an extended lockdown in Melbourne. And for some, that is just devastating. And for some of you, things have happened this week that you just didn't expect. One of the young adults in our community lost her dad suddenly this week. We are all groaning. So we take a deep breath in and out. We choose to run to God and not away. There is a reason that you clicked on the YouTube link this morning. We are drawn to eternity, to the God who is bigger and also yet a part of everything that is happening. We worship God and come to him because we need the hand of God. We need the miraculous power of God that goes beyond flesh and blood and into the principalities of darkness that seeks to kill, steal and destroy. So us coming together today to meet and to pray is a call to action. It's not us just saying a token we're praying or thinking that we can't do anything because we can't physically do anything to change what's happening across the globe right now. But our prayers matter and can make a difference. Mum said that a plane leaving Kabul was meant to take 150 and ended up taking 600. This is what we need to pray for. We need to pray for the miraculous, a surprising encounter of the Holy Spirit for the Taliban, a Saul to Paul complete change of direction, that the church's capacity and presence would explode from the underground and change this situation. Prayer changes us and reminds us we're part of a bigger story. So as we come together today, let's pray. God, who is not a distant God in the sky, far away, uninvolved, or a puppeteer just moving us how he wants to, you are a God who in the beginning created, is still creating and who can bring breakthrough, can turn things around. We come to you because we believe it or we need to believe it. We want to believe it. We've seen you do it before and our hearts and our minds are under the weight of what is happening locally and globally at the moment. And so we draw near to you today, God, believing that as a community, reading the text and praying will make a difference in us through us and around us. And so we come to you, Holy Spirit, believing in your power, the power that we saw in the book of Acts to turn things around. And we come today to look at the passage where you call us to love our enemies. So relevant and so tricky, but with you, possible. And so we come near to you now. Amen. 
I'm standing outside today because I need to be connected to that bigger story, to be seeing the sky where our brothers and sisters are across the globe, but also being in lockdown, I'm already feeling a bit locked in. And so I'm out here today because for me, preaching will bring this text, this scripture into our lives. So apologies if there's any outdoor noise. I would like you to grab a pen and paper because this message will be practical for us or your phone lists, but not Facebook. So today our passage is a hard one, but the crux, the rub of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Love our enemies. Eww. Jesus, do we really have to? We're going to find out why Jesus calls us to love our enemies. So let's dive in. Matthew 5, 43 to 48. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, says Jesus, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors, the thieves doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans, unbelievers do that. Be perfect therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. So the first words I want you to write on your piece of paper is lockdown low. We all have one close to home, locally and globally. My lockdown low this week was missing Sam's grandma's funeral in Queensland. We watched it online, which I'm really thankful we had. I missed that getting together as a family to celebrate her life, the endorphins that you get from being with other people, the club sandwiches, everything about gathering to celebrate a life. When I turned off the TV, I was just sitting there in our lounge room and thought, that was it. That was Locally, perhaps it was the parties and pub gatherings we heard of during restrictions. Although if we're honest, we may have all done something to break restrictions and we might feel really angry, yes, and challenged. Um, Jesus invites us to something different today, a different response, which we'll get to. And Afghanistan and the other countries I mentioned, Turkey, Haiti, we can't even imagine. And so there may be a sense of sadness, anger, grief, frustration. And Annalie in our small group said, feeling cooped up, we may feel like we have nothing to do with that, nothing to do with these feelings, what we can do. And so today we're going to do something with it. We're going to channel it somewhere because through prayer and through gathering together, we have a way of channeling all of this pent up everything into believing in the power of God. So in preparing for this week with this topic, love our enemies, I thought that's pretty relevant for what we're hearing across the globe. Um, but the prayer part was the really significant part for me. The praying for those who persecute you. In our um, prayer group last week, in praying with Zach, in Becky praying for me the other day, in praying with others, as I thought about loving our enemies, I thought that's where we've got to start. Praying to the King, to Jesus, 
who, as we, with prayer, it's a conversation. In some ways, it's no different to talking to our closest person, that ability to just free flow, talk about whatever uh, comes to us. Yet it is also incredibly different because we're talking to the King of Kings, the Jesus who conquered the unimaginable, who experienced incredibly suf incredible suffering so that he could identify with us, but also to save us from ourselves. So as we think about this passage today, our next word is lockdown love. Love our enemies. Now in this passage, it starts with the directive to love and pray. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And then it follows with the why bit, which I think could be pretty crucial for us today. So Jesus starts with, you have heard. And I imagine there's many times that people have heard or said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. It feels pretty good, doesn't it? And it sounds familiar to us. How often do we find ourselves or others saying, just spend time with those who make you feel good. Don't waste your time on people who drag you down. I wonder how this aligns with Jesus' teaching here. Oops. <laughs> because Jesus says, but I tell you. And this language is a theme in the Sermon on the Mount, these teachings. You have heard this, but I tell you. Jesus flips it on his head. He says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies. No, Jesus, we'll do anything but that. We'll do it all. We'll do everything else. We'll try and live simply. We'll be kind and generous. Anything but loving those who are hard to love. However, this is the rub. This is the upside down kingdom of Jesus. And if we don't try, we are not dissimilar to anyone else. So who is our enemy? It's probably the word enemy is not a word we often use, but it could be um, someone who has hurt us, harmed us, said that thing that we just can't let go of, done that unforgivable thing. It could be a family member, bully at school, the Taliban. When I read love, I think of believe the best for, show generosity and kindness, the heart approach. That is hard. But this is what defines us as a Christian. And this is what Hannah Rouse said the other day on the panel. She said about loving those who are harder to love. Jesus says, if you love those who are easy to love, what reward will you get? I.e., what will the difference be? What will it be worth? Although it's wonderful just to love those who we want to, I totally get that. How will we see a lasting impact? How will people see God if we are not loving those who are harder to love? And it doesn't mean we have to be best friends with everyone. I'm, I'm thinking the heart approach, that what, what we think and see and feel in us. So the directive is to love and pray, but we want to know why, don't we? Jesus says that you may be children of your Father in heaven, like your dad in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and good and sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous. He says we'll be like children of God. Wow, to be considered like him. I know I am always wanting to be like my parents. I'm really inspired by them and their generosity and how they live their lives. And so imagine if we, considered children of God, looked like our dad in heaven. 
Sometimes we ask why bad things happen to good people. And maybe we think, why do good things happen to bad people? But here we get the idea that God loves people the same. He sends sun and rain on all, the evil and the good. So should bad things happen to bad people? Inwardly, we think yes. Now this is different from justice. Justice is a whole different story. Should we think bad things should happen to bad people? Inwardly, we probably say, yep. A loving God doesn't think so. Although he is just and will look at our lives and how we have lived, we also get the sense that God truly does love equally and fairly, that he doesn't have favorites. And so we can try to love because it will change us. We will be like children of God. I heard this great quote from Nikki Gumbel once, that unforgiveness is like drinking poison yourself and expecting the other to die. Sometimes we have that thing done or said on repeat. We can just bring it up at the drop of a hat. But we know what it does to us. It feeds the ugliness inside us. It feeds the hurt. It feeds the anger. It feeds the tears. But if we try to love our enemies, love can change us and free us from poison if we let it. So how do we do this? How do we love our enemies? Well, Jesus says, pray for those who persecute you. Got to start there. We can't just start loving people who are hard to love. Those that we can't be around. The evil things that leaders are doing in Afghanistan. And so we come, we run to God. We've got to with our anger, our confusion, our frustration. And we say, here it is. That has to be our starting point. Authenticity to God. And maybe for the person in our life, what if the door has been shut on relationship? That happened to me once. I really wanted to mend and be close to this person and the door was shut. And so I had to ask God to help me forgive by praying. And when I started praying for this person, it changed me. It didn't change what had happened, it changed me. And when I started praying for the best for this person, it turned me around. But I also need to keep coming to God with it because it's an ongoing process. Becky was saying today in prayer group that sometimes God allows waiting before he answers prayer. And sometimes, as Nikki Gumbel says, the answer to our prayer could be a yes straight away. It could be a no or it could be a wait. Love our enemies. Pray for those who persecute us. I wonder what that means to you today. I wonder what has come to your mind right now. That person, that event, that global leadership that is doing such horrors. I wonder what it looks like to start to try and love our enemies. Something that can help us closer to home with those who are tricky to love is that we can turn our judgment, our reactions into curiosity. When we want to react when something is happening, we can pause, take a sip of water and turn our reaction into a question. Rather than jumping to the assumptions, we can take a moment and say, tell me more. That has given me great thinking time in the past. When I hear something, I go, ooh, or that's a slight dig or a, a comment against me. You go, tell me what you mean. Help me understand. 
really good thinking time. Sarah Martin in Small Group was saying how easy it is to look at the pub owners where they had that public gathering of people last week and to make assumptions. Yet in her research, she discovered that the pub owner was actually at home and that people had just gathered there with drinks from other places. Wow, it's so easy for me to when I've read that and to say things and to be like, Arr! yet God is opposite to our instincts. And Jesus hung out with the unlikelies, the unpopular, the demon possessed. I imagine people who are running around shrieking thieves. He said he came for those who are lost. And he, instead of judging, he turned, he asked questions. In the gospel, Jesus asks more questions than he gives answers. So Jesus actually asked 307 questions. He's asked 183 of which he only answers three. Asking questions was central to Jesus' life. And so I wonder for us, in a moment when we're ready to go on the defense, we're ready with that line. When we jump to a reaction, take a sip of coffee and ask a question. God's version of love is truly fair. The sun rises on all. And when I look at Zach, I think presidents start out as a baby and so do dictators. What happens in between though? What leads someone to do awful things? I remember in my youth work training hearing that phrase, hurt people, hurt people. I'll say it again. Hurt people, hurt people. So people who've been hurt end up hurting other people. So I wonder, even as I look at the Taliban, I think, what got them to that place? What needs weren't met? And how can we begin to pray that God would turn these lives around, that they would encounter the Holy Spirit? It might seem unfair that God doesn't show favoritism. And we imagine if we worshiped a God who said, ah, oh, who cares about that person? Yeah, give them revenge, give them what they need to get and make them suffer. How could we possibly approach him with the greatest hope if he was like that? Yet if God is who he says he is and can turn lives around. Imagine if he turned just one leader's heart around. Imagine if he turned your family member's heart around. Imagine if he turned that bully at school's heart around. Imagine if he turned our hearts around to be able to pray for them. It all has to start with prayer. We're talking about loving our enemies. We've just got to start with prayer. Corrie Ten Boon said, the wonderful thing about praying is you leave a world of not being able to do something and enter God's realm where everything is possible. He specializes in the impossible. Nothing is too great for his almighty power. Nothing is too small for his love. Sometimes God does the impossible more than we can imagine. And sometimes we don't see it on this side of eternity. Kids, for you, praying for those who are your enemies might mean praying for the bullies at school as Josh Shaw pointed out. Pray that God would turn their hearts around and pray that as you pray for them that God turns yours. Prayer reminds us we're part of a bigger story. There's 
number of you who are prayer warriors in the church and I know that Alf and Alice and Gwen are praying non-stop all the time. They pay, pray, they pay. They probably do pay at the shops, but they pray as they do dishes. They pray in the, every moment. They say, God, what are we going to do today? And they spend hours in prayer every day, as I'm sure many more of you do. And you look at them and you know that there is something different about them because they spend time with their dad, with their dad in heaven. And they are becoming like him, looking for the best for everyone. So what do we do? Where do we start with all of this? This comes to our third phrase, lockdown list. I'd like you to get your pen and paper out or your phone and we're going to write a name. I want you to write the name of that person who you feel really cross at. I want you to write the name of that person who did something that you just can't let go of. I want you to write the name of the Taliban or of someone else globally that you um, want to see change in. We need to do something. Annalisa, we need to put our anger and sadness somewhere. This is where prayer comes in. This list in your hands right now is your lockdown list, your lockdown prayer list. Zach and I did this last lockdown and it changed me. And then I slacked off when lockdown lifted. So I feel compelled to jump back in. And this prayer list is not just a, I'm praying for this. I'm praying for them. I'm praying for a good day. This is the big, bold prayers. This is the turning lives around. This is the, I pray God that you would help me to see this person like you do. Help me just to be able to think about this person and ask you to bless them. This is to pray that the Taliban would turn from violence and dangerous ideologies, that they would turn from Saul to Paul, that the underground church would explode. We pray that hospitals and health cares will still surprisingly be able to operate for the safety of Christians, for the covering of Jesus' blood over every household. We pray that Australia will take in more refugees we believe that God can do the impossible, that he can stir our government to turn their hearts around. All right, so I'm going to give you a minute to write down who you are going to pray for. Um, it could be someone that you know or the government. Or it could be things like uh, people who cut you off on the road, uh, stuff like that. That's actually mine, <laughs> drivers who cut me off. So. Take a moment to write down that person, that group that you want to see as God sees. And in a moment we'll pray. Okay, now I'm going to ask you to do something bold because uh, although written prayers are counted as prayers, we're talking about bold prayers. So we need to do something bold with that to start with. So I'm going to invite you where you are to shout out the name or people group that you have written down together. If you live on your own, you can shout even louder because you don't have to worry about what others are thinking. And this is going to be our prayer. We're going to start off our prayer list for the week, praying for this person, that we would see them as God sees them and try to have love for them. So on the count of three, we're going to say it out loud. You ready? One, two, three. Three, 
drivers who cut me off. May I see them as God's children. These are our prayers. Amen. Let it be. God's blessing to you.